Okay, if you would take your Bible this evening and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Excuse me, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 1 through 12, the Bible says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth even as a son, the father, in whom he delighted. The message tonight is how to stay right with God. How to stay right with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your opportunity and privilege that we have to assemble together. We pray, Father, as we look in the word of God, that we be encouraged and challenged and strengthened as we see the, the vital importance of the word of God to our well-being. Uh, we pray that you would just uh, help us again uh, to renew our devotion to the Word of God and, uh, and, and this, this, the importance of it in our daily life, that we might be a success as Joshua of old. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> You know, to the Christian life, there isn't anything, I don't believe, as important as the Word of God. Good hymns are helpful and beneficial. Uh, you know, the hymn book is, is very um, important as well, I think, but it doesn't have a place equal to or beside, really, the, the Word of God. There's no substitute for the Word of God. Of course, the Bible is a book like no other. Uh, it is a book that's inspired of God, uh, without error, uh, has the power to change and transform our life, uh, works from within, not from without. It works from the heart. Uh, it changes the heart of man. And, uh, <clears throat> and so... There's just nothing as valuable and as important as the Word of God. And so, I want to look at several things tonight. Uh, first of all, it's an inspired book, and, uh, and you know, it's, it's something that we need to stay in, the Word of God. We need to stay in the book. Verse 1 says, My son, forget not my law, but that thine heart keep my commandments. Uh, you know, it is an inspired book. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That uh, means it's 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 God breathed or God given. Peter tells us in Second Peter one uh, 
verse 21, that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Again, this book is different from any other book. It's distinct. It's in a class by itself. Uh, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. You know, the Bible speaks that of itself. It is forever settled in heaven. It will not change. It's incorruptible. Uh, These are all things that the Bible declares about itself. And, and, And really, it has stood... You know, to, to defend it or to verify its claims, it has stood the test of time. You know, we, we really have the same Bible that, well, Paul didn't have a completed Bible. You know, we have a complete one. We have the same Bible that, that they had in the first century. But we have an advantage they didn't have. It's all compiled into one. Sometime in the first, second century that it, it became compiled into one book, but... All the books were finished. The Revelation was the last book written around 96 A.D. by the Apostle John. But, but, and it has not really changed. It has not changed since then. You know, it's, it's, we, we translated it in other languages, but it's still the same book. It's still the same book. Uh, so it is in this, it is in a class by itself. Uh, You know, it is given by inspiration of God's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, truly furnished. Of course, doctrine teaches us what is right. The word of God is always right. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 20, 128. The psalmist said, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. He said, So everything that the Bible addresses, it is right about. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us about everything. It doesn't tell us about electricity. But that doesn't, that doesn't really have anything to do with our salvation or our spiritual life. <laughs> uh, it, but it tells us that everything that we need to know about life and godliness. How to live a life that pleases God. How to have eternal life and how to live a life that pleases a holy and righteous God. It tells us everything we need to know about that. Uh, and everything it addresses again, it's right. It's, 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 if you will, our manual for life, our operational manual for life. And so, it teaches, it teaches what isn't, it tells us also what is not right. Psalm 119, verse 9. Uh, uh, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Uh, it, it tells us uh, what is wrong in our life. It searches our hearts. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharp than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, I can't look at you tonight and tell for sure what Robert's thinking. I don't know his intentions right at this moment. God does. God does. See, God's word searches our intentions. It's a living book. It's a living book. And, you know, he's searching my intentions right now as I preach this message. What's my intent here? 
10 is to challenge you, to encourage you to see the importance, again, of devotion, spending time in the Word of God. Uh, it is, it's, uh, it's given for correction, how to, how to get things right. You know, we all, we are sinners by nature and by choice. And, and, um, even we that are saved sin. The Bible, God knows that and has made provision for that. You know, as I said, God doesn't desire that we sin, but He knows we are going to. Because we are sinners. That's why He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't say, uh, if you do sin. No, if we confess our sin. So, so you know, it, it tells us how to get things right, how to stay right with God, how to correct things that aren't right. Uh, we can look into the Word of God and 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 seek His instruction and how to seek forgiveness for sin and and how to make things right. It gives us instruction how to keep things right. Uh, somebody said, "Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin." Psalm seventeen four says, "Concerning the works of men, by the words of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer." You know, James 1 tells us that, that we're, we're looking into the Word of God. It's like a mirror to us. And it gives us instruction. And so, it is also, not only is it an inspired book, but it is an instructional book. When this verse 2 here says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Now, so, so this book tell, will tell us how to live a quality of life. The wages of sin is what? Death. Sin shortens life. I mean, sin shortens physical life. That's that's what it's referring to. The wages of sin is death. Uh, you know, he he that was written to the churches at Rome. So sin destroys. Not only not only does sin will destroy us in hell if we aren't if we don't get born again, but sin destroys the body. And and so he says, length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Second uh, <clears throat> Timothy 2.15 says, The study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman need not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So, so we need to, to study this book to receive instruction for everyday life. It, let me give you several things that will do for us. It'll, it'll give us confidence. It'll give us confidence. Uh, in Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29 and verse 25, it says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Proverbs 21, 28, I'm sorry, verse 1, 28, 1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. You don't have to be afraid of the police if you haven't committed a crime. It's, it's quite simple. Uh, Proverbs fourteen twenty six, Proverbs fourteen twenty six, and and if we are right with God, we don't have to be afraid of God, and if, and and if we are right with our fellow man, 
And if we have God's protection, even if we're not, even if we have problems, we don't have to fear man. Proverbs fourteen twenty six says, uh, "In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge." Hebrews thirteen five and six: Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, "I will never leave thee, forsake thee." Therefore, we may boldly say, "The Lord is my helper; I will not." Fear what man shall do unto me. You see, spending time in the Word of God, putting our confidence in God, and allowing it to lead us and instruct us will give us confidence for life and not fear. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed in thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust thee in the Lord Jehovah. In the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And so, this instructional book gives us instruction to be confident. It gives us instruction to be commended. It commends us. Notice again verse 4 of our text. It says, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. You know, you think about some of the Old Testament characters. Joseph found what? Favor with God. And God brought him into favor with Potiphar, with the head jailer, and then with Pharaoh. Here's Daniel taken captive to, to Babylon. He's placed in the king's court. And if an issue comes up that would violate his convictions, which really were convictions based on the Word of God, and rather than violate his convictions, he determined to do what right, what's right, and God brought him into favor with Arioch. I think it was Arioch, the head of the of Nebuchadnezzar's dietitians, I guess you would say. Uh, but anyway, God brought him into favor. See, he says here, So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. And we often don't think about that man part. This verse just popped in my head. I'm not sure where it is, but I know it's in Proverbs. About something about if a man, uh, God shall even make his enemies to be at peace with him. I'm not sure where that is, but but I know it's in Proverbs. You see, it says here, Thou shalt find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. God and man. It's, it's to be approved. It's really to be commended or approved by God. Again, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needs not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, so you know, we we can be it commends us when we when we know the Lord is our Savior and have confidence in Him and are striving to please Him. It commends us before our God, our Heavenly Father. <clears throat> and makes us at peace with all men. Brings us in a favor. See, God even controls the hearts. 
God can, t- can control the hearts of men. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the other day about some of the things we're seeing in our nation where churches are being uh, closed down and, and so on and so forth. And, and uh, you know, I, I really think a lot of it is the judgment of God upon churches. Because churches have compromised. And we have, we, you know, our churches um, have compromised the truth and not given a good testimony to the world. God's not pleased. And, you know, Solomon, when Solomon, toward the end of his life, Solomon, he married many strange wives. You know what the Lord did? The Lord chastened him. And, of course, the Lord chastens us. Why? Because he loves us. He wanted Solomon to correct his way. You know what the Lord did? He brought adversaries into his life. And they were men. Jeroboam, Hadad, and there's a third one. There's at least three spoken of in the scriptures that caused uh, affliction to Solomon. But you see, God, we can be approved or commended before God and men. That's what the Word of God will do for us. If we, if we will not forget His law, keep His commandments, and you know, bind His truth about our neck, now that's, 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 the picture here is that we really are striving to adhere to it, to obey it. And, and you know, we're not to be, sometimes we can be consumed with what we don't know. No, we need to be consumed with what we do know. Because when we obey what we do know, God then will reveal other truth to us. That's how, gro- that's what growth is. We need to just obey what we know. And God will bring us into favor and good understanding. He, could, he will commend us. So third thing here, of course, it's, it's structured to, to correct us as well. Verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them back thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. You know, there needs to be a right, right application of the Word of God to our lives. It isn't just something we just read, just to read. It's not a storybook. It's not just, well, you know, I read my chapter today, or my three chapters, or my ten chapters, or whatever you read. What did you get? What, how did it apply? You see, we're to read this book to, we're to read and listen to it preached to apply it to our lives. Because there's some things, you know, that in this book that aren't really written to the church. Some of it's prophetic concerning Israel. Doesn't even pertain to us. Um, and so we need to rightly apply the Word of God. Again, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to shame. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. You know, in Nehemiah 8.8, 8, it says that Ezra read the book of the law distinctly. And then it says, and he gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now, gave the sense... And cause them to understand is very similar words, but but I believe believe this is what it means. He gave the sense, in other words, he gave the interpretation. And then it says he gave caused him to understand the reading. He gave an application. This is how it applies to your life. 
that's what preaching is supposed to do. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about where I went to Bible school and so on and so forth. And I said one of the things that I remember they t- taught us there was that you know you you teach the principles and you let the people apply it. And he said, "What?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "It doesn't work that way." No. You need to make application. You know, I heard heard a guy uh, was on a cassette tape with somebody give me one time about this old man that was kind of uh, mentoring and this younger man. He said, "God's an expository preacher." He said he gave the Ten Commandments and spent five books explaining them, how they apply to life, and that's what preaching is supposed to do. See, we need to rightly apply the Word of God to everyday life. Uh, you know, Romans chapter 3, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if we believe it or not, we, we are to apply it. You know, if we don't believe it, it doesn't change whether the Word of God is true. You know, Romans 3, 3 and 4, uh, 3, 4 uh, Romans 3, 3 and 4 talks about uh, what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, God be writ true, but every man a liar, as it's written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. So the idea is, it doesn't matter whether people believe it or not. God's word is going to vindicate itself. God's word is going to vindicate itself. And if you and I don't abide or apply the Word of God to our lives, He's going to judge us for disobedience. That's what's wrong with a lot of churches. I believe they're being judged. Let me give you an illustration. Just today I read, Wisconsin Lutheran College disinvited Vice President Mike Pence as their August 29th commencement speaker. August 29th is just, what, Saturday, Sunday? They just did it. Because alumni and student body didn't want a political figure who they claim, quote, is divisive. Speaking at a Lutheran college, the the whole article went on to say that he did not express Christian values. Seriously? If Mike Pence doesn't express some Christian values, who does? See, but it don't matter whether they believe it or not. God's going to vindicate His Word. And there's a good example of why God is judging churches. That calls itself you know, a Christian organization. Uh, David learned that God will vindicate himself. In fact, this quote in Romans here, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, is from Psalm 51, where David said that thou be justified in thy words when thou condemnest. Now, God condemned David for his sin. And David said, you're justified, you're right, you're vindicated by your words. And so, uh, it is. It will 
you know, we need to take heed to the Word of God to be correct. To be correct. Uh, it's also an invaluable book. Look at verses 2, verse 4, and then verse 8. Length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Verse 8. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Now, I was reading that and thinking about that a little bit. That sounds to me like uh, something I read in John chapter 10. Well, the thief cometh not for, for to kill and to steal and to destroy, but I am come that might have life and that might have it more abundantly. See, he's saying here the Word of God will give you a quality of life. It is most valuable. If you want length of days and long life, they're going to add to thee. It's going to add to thee, to thy life. It'll give you good favor. It'll make you a, a person that has understanding, has some wisdom. And of course, living a pure and holy life is the best way to live a healthy life. You see, the Word of God has the power to change us. To change us. Psalm 19, verse 7 says... Uh, just went out the window. The law of the thank you. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. You know, music doesn't convert us. Music is inspirational and and is uplifting, but music doesn't convert the soul. It takes the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. First Corinthians one twenty one says, "For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching." to save them that believe. See, the Word of God has power to change us. Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Corinthians 3.18, or 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the more time we spend in this book, reading, studying, listening to it, preached, taught, the more change it's going to affect our lives. Again, if we will give heed to it. Of course, that is the key. But it has the power to change us. It can even cheer us. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. In Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, you know, Jeremiah got discouraged many times. And understandably so. You know, he was called the weeping prophet. His message was one of just doom. 
You know, surrender, 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 surrender to Babylon, surrender to Babylon, surrender to Babylon. That's basically what it was. Judgment. You're, God's going to judge you. It's 70 years captivity. There's no changing it. No matter what you do, it's not going to change. You need to surrender to the king of Babylon. He knew his land was going to be taken into captivity and his people. But he said, thy words were found that I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. So the word of God. John was prophesying in the book of Revelation. And he's, he's, he's prophesying about all the judgments that come, come upon the world. And the Lord told him, take the book and eat it. And he said it was honey, sweet as honey. So it changes us, it cheers us, it challenges us. Verses 9 and 10. Honor thy Lord with thy substance, with first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. You know, it challenges us to, to trust in the Lord, to rely upon Him. Again, Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10. Um, Fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. So it challenges us to trust in the Lord, to, to live pure, holy, clean, to walk worthy, to do what's right. Ephesians 4.1, Paul said, I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so the Word of God challenges us. Because you and I are prone to wonder. We're prone to give in. You know, if you don't keep reminding your child that they have to do school or they have to, you know, when they're little, there's certain things you have to keep reminding them to do over and over again until they finally get it thoroughly ingrained. But you have to keep reminding them. Why? Because they tend to forget. The Word of God does that to us. It challenges us. It also convicts us. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them is great reward. You know, so it's a warning to us. And of course, this passage here uh, kind of warns us not to be wise in our own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It puts in our mind. You know, it gives us, it, the, the Word of God gives us pictures examples of people who who rebelled against God, disobeyed God, and then this happened. In other words, they brought this upon themselves. Manasseh, who was Hezekiah's son, Hezekiah was one of the better kings Judah had, Manasseh, you know, forsook God, the God of Israel and Judah, and he turned the temple into a 
to, to uh, an idol-worshipping house and a prostitution ring and sacrificed children to devils and all that kind of stuff, and God took him in affliction to Assyria. But in his affliction, in his affliction, he changed his heart. You know what that is? That's a warning. Paul said these things are written for our admonition, our warning, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Children of Israel, what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness? There's warnings, and then there's instruction of, and examples of what took place when they trusted God and did what was right. When I read about Gideon, Mr. Nobody, <laughs> Mr. Nobody, and God said to him, Thou mighty man of valor. And I see it causes me to think, what am I afraid of? Why do I need to be afraid? When I read about Daniel in Babylon, he's faced with this, you know, eat the king's meat or there's possibility you may die. But Daniel purposed his heart would not defile himself. And God brought him into favor with Ariok. And God provided an alternative that he asked for. And God proved them better, their way of eating better than the Babylonians. See, that encourages me. God's way is best. God's way is best. And so, the Word of God convicts us. It encourages us. It challenges us. Not only warns us of what happens when we sin against God, warns us of the consequences of God, but it also challenges us, look, this is, this is what happens when you honor God. It may look like an impossible situation. You know, Elijah and the widow Zarephath, that was an impossible situation. I mean, she's got enough meal to make a cake for her and her son and then die. Enough meal and oil. Elijah said to her, you make me a little cake first. He says, for the barrel meal will not waste and the oil will not run out until. And he gives time. I don't, can't remember what he said. And, and they ate of that meal that was only supposed to be enough for one meal, one little cake. They ate of that for many days, the Bible says. Many days. I mean, God fed the children of Israel with manna in the wilderness. He made their shoes not wear out. And their clothes not wax old. Can he not much more take care of me? You see, when I read things like that, I'm encouraged. I'm strengthened. I'm challenged to trust God. Trust God. His word is good. 
He will do what he says. But I also know, if I sin against him, he will also do what he says. You see, this book is inspired, it's instructional, it's invaluable. There's nothing like it in the world. It is vital to the Christian life. It's impossible to live a healthy, victorious, successful Christian life without time spent in the Word of God. And I believe that means not only hearing it preached, I think that's part of it, a necessary part of it, but also spending time devotionally in it ourselves. You know, three meals a week is not enough to sustain life. Well, you're getting four. You get Sunday school, you get a morning service, you get an evening service, and you get a midweek service. So you get four meals a week. Try, try, you know, from, from the church. So try doing that in physical life and see how well things go. You know, it is, it is water to our soul. It is bread to the soul, to the hungry. It can give us victory over sin, fear, doubts. Give us satisfaction, contentment. Peter tells us we have all things that pertain to life and godliness, given through the promises of God. And so we need to stay in the book. But we also need to learn to trust the Lord. Notice verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean under thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own evils. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So, you know, we need to be in the book, reading the book, listening to the book being taught and explained and applied to life. But we need to trust it. We need to believe and act upon what it says. See, Daniel reaped the benefits of the blessing of God because he acted on what the Word of God told him. How it instructed him. Don't eat that meat. And so he asked. He requested. It means he asked for an alternative that pleased the Lord. Why? Because he trusted God to take care of him. It wasn't vital that he lived, but it was vital that he retained his relationship with the Lord. He put confidence in. He committed his, his, the care of himself to the Lord. To the Lord. And of course, this requires a decision. We have to believe what God says. We have to deny self. Again, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't rely upon what you think or what you reason out or how it appears. Because God doesn't look on appearances. God works from, the, from truth. And from all appearances, Daniel was up a crick without a paddle. That's what we say in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure if they use that here in the South or not. But, you know, he, he, was, he was toast. But he had a God who knew 
all about his situation and knew how to deliver him out of temptation. But see, he had to deny. He had to deny leaning on his own understanding. Of course, it demands devotion. In all thy ways acknowledge him, verse 6, and he shall direct thy paths. Lord, Daniel saying, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to acknowledge that you're in this. You know where I am. You know what's happening. You promised to take care of me, and I'm committing myself to you. The response, you know what that does? That takes responsibility off yourself and puts it on God. He said, I'm your heavenly father, and I will be a father unto you. You know, it's the responsibility of the father to provide for the children. And that's the promise God makes to his children. We may not have it all figured out. I don't think Daniel had it figured out. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to shake down. But he put his trust in the Lord and didn't lean to his own understanding. He devoted himself. He followed God's direction and let God, notice what it says in verse 6 again, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You know, as he went, you know, I believe here's again an instance where you know, we read about it in Luke where he says, you know, don't meditate beforehand what you shall answer, your enemies. I'll give you a mouth. I'll give you words. I think Daniel's standing there, oh. You see, he's trusting the Lord to give him the wisdom to know what to say, know what to ask for, know what to request. And he does. So like Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1, Nehemiah is praying for like four months for the city of Jerusalem being in ruins. This is, of course, after the captivity. And he's praying about it. He's burdened about that. And he goes in before the king. with He's the cupbearer. And he's sad. And that could have been a death sentence. Because you're not allowed to be sad in the king's presence. But he's sad. And the king says, You're a sorrowful heart. Nehemiah says, how can it not be when the city of my fathers lies in ruins? And the king says, what's your request? And it says, and Nehemiah said, I pray to the Lord. You know, I think Nehemiah standing there, Lord, okay, now what? He, had, he didn't know. He didn't go in there planning to ask the king for this, this, and this. So he's, he's saying, Lord, he's saying, Lord, okay, give me wisdom to what to, what to ask for. Because this is like a blank check. And he did. He gave him a list of things. You know, I want this amount of time. I want t- timber from the king's forest. And I want this and I want this and this. And the king said, it's grand. I'll give it to you. See, what he asked, he acknowledged the Lord and he let God direct his paths. All the importance of the Word of God. That we not forget it. We keep His commandments. We trust in His Word. And don't turn to our own understanding. But in all our ways, acknowledge Him. And allow Him 
to direct our paths. Let's pray.